Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in, everybody. This is the Falcons podcast. We are live on YouTube and Facebook, as we are wont to do on Mondays and Wednesday mornings. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, we are pushing 4,000 strong on my YouTube channel, thanks to people like you. So thank you very much for hitting that subscribe button and that like button. It's how we keep growing, how we keep getting to do more stuff. Um, And then we're live on two Facebook channels, Atlanta Falcons fans on all Falcons and Scott Kennedy sports. Both are starting to grow well as we hit the uh, NFL season. So thank you very much to all of you who are watching and liking and subscribing and doing all those type of things. Today, we're going to talk some Falcons Packers. We'll do a little bit of review Falcons Panthers, just kind of where the team's at, et cetera, et cetera. We might touch on a little Matt Ryan, maybe, maybe. We'll see. We'll see what the chat wants to get into. That's one of the reasons we do this live is because we want to see what you want to talk about so it's just not just me up here monologuing which it will be for most of the day today because uh nick is out climbing yosemite mountain half dome something like that while he still can and good for him um i'm i love that he does it i think it's very cool so while the chat is reaching out and saying hello to everybody uh with its algos i want to say hello to some folks that were in here nice and early on youtube um you, you mean a ton to me, y'all. You're th- th- one of the main reasons I'm up and at them all the time is, uh, you know, this this community. It's uh, it's it's good for me. I hope it's good for you as well. Big Ant, first one in this morning. He says, good morning, Scott and Nick, as well as my Falcons family in the chat. That's all, y'all. Terry Ocean Boy Martin, it is good to see you today, my friend. He says, what a do, Bird Gang. We coming. Coach Prime Boys, good morning. By the way, fellas, great win this past weekend. But Green Bay, yeah, on the clock, 2-0, rise up, ATL. John Harrell. Uh, good morning, everyone. Good morning to you. It's organic coming in nice and early. He says, good morning, Scott and Nick. I hope the energy inside the bends is just as good Sunday. I'm coming down from Virginia to watch our birds go 1-0 for the week and 2-0 for the season. Rise up. Um, it's organic. I want to. This is a good one. I signed off our last show on Monday. We did some stock up, stock down on this. And as you're watching it on TV and you see all of the empty seats in the lower bowl, I signed off by saying stock down Arthur Blank. Um, I, I love Arthur Blank. Don't get me wrong. I think he's been magnificent for the franchise. I grew up with the Smiths. If you are anywhere near my age, Gen X or older, you know what a disaster of an ownership it was. Arthur Blank's not perfect, but he is eons better than what the Falcons had with, with the Smiths who... We're just cashing checks. They had no interest in pushing the team forward. And it was just, it was dreadful. They were one of the two or three worst franchises in the NFL before Arthur Blank came over on a consistent basis. That said, when they moved into Mercedes-Benz, he went back on what he, the opposite of what he did at the Dome. When Arthur Blank moved into the Georgia Dome, he looked at those empty seats in the upper decks and said, you know, I'd rather make a dollar a seat then have those empty and fill them up and do this. So he, he changed the, the ticket prices up in the upper deck to $5. And the place has been sold out. He's been an owner now for 20 plus years. The place has been sold out ever since he's been an owner. When they moved into the bins, they got greedy. And they started charging big old PSLs, which are basically, you know, shakedown charges and screw you fees. And the all those, all those lower bowl seats all ended up going to corporations and not to fans. And unless it's hard for them to resell those tickets because they really don't care about going. 
and there's empty seats. You, you, y'all were there. It's organic was there. You saw how loud it was. When you panned anywhere else in the stadium, it was shoulder to shoulder and packed. But in the lower bowl, it's like 60% full. That's a shame. It really is. That has to be addressed. It has to be fixed. I don't know if keep track of who's using those seats or not. And if they're empty for more than two of them, put them back up for sale. I, I don't care. Fix it. You, you're, you're a billion dollar company. Figure it out. Get butts in those seats. I don't care how. Besides just, you know, you know who they're going to be full of this week? Cheeseheads. Because they'll pay the extra $200, $300 for one game. The Packers fans in the area, you don't mind dropping a big money. I'm not paying $300 per ticket to drop three grand for season tickets. I might drop $300 for a ticket, for one ticket, for when my team comes to my town. But anyway, Soapbox... The, the what to it's organic's point the, the the atmosphere was electric but you wouldn't know it looking at it on tv because the middle bowl is either empty or 50 percent full i'm not discouraging falcons fans any stretch of the imagination um it's either half full of falcons fans or half full of falcons fans and then the other teams if it's a big team coming in like the the packers the bears have a lot of fans here the steelers you've seen it before the cowboys uh, any of those teams. So off soapbox, let's let's move on here. Um, Roger Cook says, afternoon, everyone. He's coming in from across the pond. He says, well, I was sure we'd win last Sunday. This one, I just feel we will. And I think that's a, that's a fair statement to have, Roderick. You felt pretty good going against the Panthers. You're not really sure, but there's so much new with the Panthers that that was a win. The Falcons at home, first start for a rookie. When we were going through our our uh, season predictions, I penciled that one in. I wrote that one in in pen. That that's a win. You need to win that game if you're going to be anywhere close to where you think you're going to be. Later on, now when they play them later in the season, when they play play the Panthers, we'll have to see where they are. I'm not as sure about that one. Bryce Young will have 10, 11 starts under his belt. I'm not sure exactly when that game is, but it's it's considerably later down the schedule. And the Panthers are good. The Panthers are a a strange team the last three years in 2022 week eight the falcons had a season low 213 yards uh i'm sorry this is in week eight yeah they had a season low 213 yards that's week 10 i wrote down week eight twice they beat them in week eight week 10 was the butt fumble game when they got completely dominated and had a 213 yard output it was terrible they got completely dominated 2021 they uh the same thing basically happened they were dominated in, in the, the, the loss, and then they go and beat them in the next one. When this team is motivated in, in the last couple of years, they've been very good. Now I think they've got motivation. I just think they've got too much new. So um, I think that's a good call. We'll get into the Packers here in, a, in just a little bit. 100 Realist says, good morning, Scott. Good morning, Scott. How are you doing? Um, doing well. We're doing well. And um, I'm going to skip ahead just a little bit here. Um because Michael Ranquillo is coming in with a bright, hot pink fuchsia super chat coming in. Uh, and he says, with $50 super chat, he says, good morning, Scott, on the Falcons podcast. Michael, thanks, dude. Um, that's so awesome. This is a Broncos fan who has is is a fan of the work that Nick and I do on the Broncos podcast. That's how we met. And comes in and supports our show, supports a Falcons content creator. And I think that's just phenomenal. I, 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 we can't say thank you enough, Michael, for this, for what you do for all of us all week coming in last night on, uh, on the, the Broncos podcast, uh, and, and dropping big support. I hope we get to meet you. I'm going out to Colorado for a Denver Broncos meet and greet, um, for the Packers game, uh, by coincidence. And, um, Hopefully we'll get to meet you. I know you're down in Tucson, Arizona. So not only is he dropping big, big dollars here to support the show, which is humbling as can be, he's getting up early to do it. The man's in Tucson, Arizona. So thank you so much, Michael. I hope you are are doing well. Um, because you just you just helped make my morning. That's for sure. Uh Dom Jaramillo coming in. Good morning, Scott Dog Nation of Broncos Country, another crossover fan. Dave says, Good morning, Scott. Nick, good morning, Dave. Um let me see here. Let me get down here just a little bit. As we're saying our hellos, Harry Marshall Wood. Morning, Scott. Can't wait till Sunday. Let's go. Um, 
and it's organic is old enough to remember. Uh, yes, the Smiths were horrible. Oh God, Rankin be stinking. Yeah, Smith and Junior. That was a family business. That was uh, that they were they were tanking it. Chris Walker showing up on Facebook. I said as the alerts start going out and finding everybody. Says good morning everyone. Happy about the win and hoping we can get another victory against Green Bay. Uh, Tuna would be nice. You got two teams. It was a weird, weird weekend of games. Um, unfortunately, the, the biggest news was Aaron Rodgers' career may be over. Uh, that's that's a that's a that's a year long plus recovery for a guy who's thirty nine or forty years old, who's been hinting around retirement anyway. I I, I wouldn't blame him one bit if that was the last time that he suited up and says, "Listen, I'm I'm, I'm done. I've got my ring. My legacy's intact." It's it's a shame. Mactown Dirty says, what's up, what's up, Scott? Good to see you as well. Brandon Swank says, do you think we trade for a wideout or go in the free agent for one to improve the core a bit? Uh, a Jarvis Landry, maybe. Uh, Brandon, no, I don't think so. Especially not, not this early for one. And I don't think that's a, a, a honestly, I don't think that's a big need for this team, um, a wide receiver right now. If you were to go back and look at, you know, who was your top receiver? You know, who do you, do you feel pretty good about Mac Hollins? I do. Kaderil Hodge is a 3-4, yeah. You're not doing anything with Drake London. You know, Drake London kind of disappeared in that game. I have faith that he will be okay by the time things are all said and done. Kyle Pitts was good. Um, you know, the bigger concern in this game was Brian Burns and how easily he was getting past Caleb McGarry. And frankly... Chris Lindstrom probably had his worst game as an Atlanta Falcon. So the right side of that offensive line, that big dollar, uh, if they're not the most expensive, I'll look it up um, while I'm trying to talk here and do two things at once. If they're not the most expensive offensive line, they're pretty close. If I go to positional spending on spot rack and I click on offensive line and uh, I sort it again. The Detroit Lions have 55 million in their offensive line. The Atlanta Falcons have 53.9 million of cap hits in their offensive line. That was a bigger concern for me for anything. But what I saw was that the offensive line is the second highest paid unit in the NFL. They're not making any changes there. Basically, what I'm trying to get at, Brandon, is I don't see any really big changes in the starting 22 period. I, I think... The team, for what it's worth, is pretty much settled. Will they bring guys in and out on the back end of the roster all year? Yeah. If there's an injury, of course. Um, if they're sitting there at 7-2 and two at the trade deadline, might you throw something at try and go get an edge rusher and try and get some help for a guy who's coming off, the, who's about to be a free agent at, and, be, and be buyers at the trade deadline? Yeah. That's 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 possible. But um, as far as going and, and, and going out and trying to get a wide receiver right now, I just I don't see that um, see that happening. Um, let me see. We're fairly well caught up on the chat. Getting closer. Some some folks coming in as the numbers start climbing. Philip Hogginson coming in. He says, "Good morning, Scott. Good morning to you." Ryan Adonis says, uh, "Good morning." After reviewing the tape, would last year's team lose to the Panthers last week? Ryan. They probably wouldn't have gotten three turnovers, so yes, because that was the difference in the game. And then they might turn around and beat them. And again, they've split the 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 games. The ones the Falcons won have been tighter, and the ones the Falcons lost, they've gotten just beat down, just dominated. So, if depending on which Falcons game you watched in twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two, you'd think, oh, that was a good win, or oh, this team might not ever win another game. I remember thinking. Y'all remember Arthur Arthur uh, Smith's first game against the Philadelphia Eagles? The Eagles were coming off, uh, you know, a six-win, five, six, seven-win season. They were a losing team, too. Weren't very good. Were on their way to becoming, you know, what they became, which was NFC champions over the course of the next two years. So we didn't quite know what they had at the time. But they came in and just bullied the Falcons in Atlanta. The, the offensive and defensive lines looked so bad. It's like, oh my God, I don't, if the, if the Falcons are this bad in the trenches, I don't know how they're going to win another game. That team didn't get a lot better in the trenches that year. The big leap was 2021 to 2022, but they still managed to win seven games. So did the Falcons play well? I guess this is what it comes down to, y'all, and Ryan. Did the Falcons play well? On defense, hell yeah, they did. Yes, they played well. 
Um, we saw a repeat a little bit of what we saw in the preseason, which was, okay, you can have your yards between the 30s, and then we're going to clamp down. I don't always think that plays. Uh, it's not a great strategy. I, I prefer to see some more three and outs and some more possessions on offense. Personally, I think the Falcons only ran 48 plays for goodness sakes. Um, I, I'd like to see, you know, a little more three and outs, a few more three and outs, but Arthur Smith came out and basically said, you know, you got to get the win. That's what it's all about in this league. And, you know, that's coach speak to a certain extent, but what he didn't say directly, but he kind of hinted at was, we didn't think Bryce Young in this brand new offense was going to be able to beat us. We didn't think that was going to happen. Our game plan was to go out there and not lose the game. And we knew we would win. Worked like a charm. 14-point win. Again, that was only the fourth double-digit win that they've had in the last four seasons. So three plus this season. It's only the fourth one. You know, this team hasn't done a whole lot of winning. Um they were favored by three and a half and one by 14 and looked fairly comfortable doing it. By the end of that game, did you feel like the, the Panthers could move the ball? Normally in a one-score game, we're, we're all sitting back waiting for the Falcons to lose it. I didn't have that feeling in this game. I thought, okay, they, these, they've got this game under control. It was kind of nice. It was kind of nice. Will that play for 17 games? No, 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 it won't. They have to do better on offense. They have to move the ball better. They have to finish drives. They've got to be better, flat out. Offensive line, passing game, period. Has to be better. No doubt. I don't think anybody would argue with that at Flowery Branch right now. Nobody. So it's got to improve. Is this the finished product? Um, no, it, it absolutely isn't. Um, but would last year's team have lost to the Panthers? Maybe. Probably once. Now they're 1-0 and have a chance to do the double on them. That'd be nice. Now they're 1-0. Hopefully this team keeps getting better too. The Panthers will get better. Bryce Young can play the game. It'll, they'll get better. Um, Let me see. Rusty, he has a, a good question. Rusty says, what is your biggest concern the Falcons must tighten up for Green Bay? For me, that one's easy. That That's an easy one, Rusty. The pass pro has to get better. Um. You can say what you want about Desmond Ritter and everybody's going to look at Desmond Ritter's line and say, see, we told you. You're looking at all 22 film and you're seeing guys get open and you're seeing Desmond Ritter ducking under Brian Burns early. Um, I've used the joke several times that Arthur Smith at some point in every game he's ever coached hits the effort button. We're just going to run it down their damn throats. You can see it happen. It's like, all right, we tried to pass. It's not working. He's not one that wants to say, okay, we need to pass. We're going to just keep passing because, by God, we need to pass. No, he's going to go back to the tried and true. When I got Tyler Algier and uh, and Bijan Robinson in the backfield, and I got Cordero Patterson coming, you know, running the ball is a pretty good idea, especially when you got a defense that's able to now put the clamps on people. Um, what's another stat we talked about coming into the season? The Falcons were what, everybody? Say it with me. The number 15 scoring offense in the NFL last year. To get to top 10, they needed three more points. We said this offense should be three points better than they were last year based on the improvements, based on the passing game, based on Bijan Robinson coming in. Now, they got their 24 points with a big assist from the defense. But hey, it's defense and special teams play this game too. They got their 24 points. You know what their ranking is in scoring right now? 10th. They're 10th. So we've talked about, can this be a top 10 offense? And I said scoring. Yes, they can. Their style, I don't know that they're ever going to be there in yardage because, again, their possessions are so far down. Again, they ran 48 plays. We've seen teams run 48 plays in a half. They only ran 48 plays on offense. That's got to get better. They've got to be more efficient. Less three and outs. If it weren't for the turnovers, does this team score? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. but. The, the, it's it's a team game, and the defense stepped up huge. Uh, Philip Hogginson saying, um, we already said good morning to Philip, so we'll say hello to Philip again. Why not? Bobby Carter says, uh, good morning, Scott. Good morning to you, Bobby. Um, and uh, and Harry Marshall Wood says that Jets game just got a little easier. You'd think. Um, you'd think. I, I couldn't help but watching that game and re being reminded of, knowing that it was being played on the anniversary of 9-11, of um, 
within visual distance. I know they play in New Jersey, but that, that stadium's right across the river where New York is, which is on the south side of Manhattan, and you can you could see the Twin Towers from there. Couldn't help me, but I couldn't help but think of when the Falcons had to go to New Orleans and uh, and play after Katrina, and remember thinking, and that was a Monday Night Football game too, if I'm not mistaken. I remember thinking, there's no way in hell the Falcons are going to win this game. They didn't. <laughs> they didn't. And I started getting that feeling a little bit with the Jets. Are the Jets good enough to compete? For a Super Bowl, if we consider, do this string of logic with me. The Buffalo Bills are Super Bowl contenders, true or false? For me, that's true. The New York Jets beat the Buffalo Bills with a backup quarterback, Zach Allen. They beat them, therefore they are Super Bowl contenders. False. I think that's false. I think this was a one-off. Josh Allen is prone to those what the hell are you doing games? Unfortunately, it's been a little bit more often. Now, if you don't start taking care of the ball better, they're not Super Bowl contenders. But Zach, or Zach Wilson led Jets team. This is not a bold statement. Isn't as good as an Aaron Rodgers led team. Yes, it got easier. If they can beat the Bills, they can beat anybody on any given day. Across 17 games, though, I don't see it. I don't see it. It's it's such an he is such an anomaly for me, Zach Wilson. In that the more time, what do you normally want to do to a rookie quarterback? You want to put pressure on him. The more time Zach Wilson has, the worse he gets. That just doesn't happen. It's weird. If you give him time to scan the field, he's making the wrong decision. Now, if you put pressure on him, he's athletic enough to escape out the back end, and then he's got a rifle for an arm and can make a play. Hem the dude in, make him sit in the pocket and throw the ball. And he's a subpar backup quarterback. He's terrible. Um, but yeah, the Jets game on any what is what looks to be an easy schedule, that game just got a little easier. That said, out of division, the NFC South went two and zero last week. So the NFC South is uh, is the only loss came intra division with the Panthers to the Falcons. Sean Edwards is talking about the depth of the Falcons, uh, the Falcons offensive weapons. You know, Scotty Miller's not a bad option either. No, the, I feel pretty good. We said that going in. And Bajon Robinson's going to line up in the slot. Cordell Patterson's going to line up at the slot. Kyle Pitts rarely plays in line tight end. Um, John and Smith. So the passing game was subpar this weekend credit the Panthers for a lot of that. And then the the game plan was to, again, take care of the ball and let the Panthers beat themselves. Um, so I, um, I don't think it's, I don't think that happens. Um, here's a good question from it's organic. He says, if the jets call about, um, I'm thinking you mean Taylor, uh, Taylor Heineke. Cause that's been, what's gone around a little bit. So we can talk a couple, couple quarterbacks here. If the Jets call about, you know, Tyler Algier, what do you think his worth is? I'd say a second rounder at least, but I think you probably mean Taylor Heineke. If the Jets were to call about Taylor Heineke, what do you think his worth is? Um, you'd have to take on, I think you'd have to take on some uh, some cap hit with that. Let me see. Because uh, he got some guaranteed money in the form of a signing bonus. So if I look up, oh, there's Ritter. Where's Where's... Where's Taylor Heineke? There he is. He's up actually up pretty high. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Taylor Heineke has the ninth highest cap hit on this team. He got a $4 million signing bonus. His dead cap hit, if you were to do something this year, would be like $6 million. So you got to figure his base salary is only 1.3. So you're taking on a $5 million prorated dead cap hit. So you're basically, in essence, you're not just taking my backup quarterback you're going to have to buy my dead cap number with a draft pick. So you're talking second or third rounder. And I don't mean that just because you're out of your mind. Taylor Heineke's not worth a second round pick. He's, you know, whatever. maybe he is, maybe he's not. But my backup quarterback, who is a pretty good player, who's, a, who's a, been a starter in this league, and you're asking me to take on $5 million of dead cap, you're going to have to pay for that. So, yeah, 
second round pick, second, third round pick, easy. And maybe and that might not even do it because I like having Taylor Heineke on this team. I need a number two quarterback on this team. And at $5 million, it's worth having a number two quarterback on this team. Let me see here. Um, here's a newer name. Welcome in. He says, um, Rexton too freshish. Welcome to uh welcome to the show, my friend. Says, was Carolina's pass rush what dictated any intermediate to deep shots, which typically take longer in Arthur Smith's system with deep crossovers and deep in routes? Brian Burns dictated the passing game completely. We asked a question on here, you know, last week. We can roll it back and I can sound like an idiot, which that happens all the time. This one sticks out of my brain. If Brian Burns signed, we asked, well, does it matter? You know, and Brian Burns might be out. And I was like, you know, at this point, does it really matter? Is he even in game shape? Is is he is he been around in, in game shape enough to make an impact on this game? Good Lord. Yes. The answer was yes, Scott. Um, did he run out of gas a little bit? Maybe. He was neutralized in the second half. But if you listen to Arthur Smith, he says, you know, it's a game of adjustments. And he he, he inadvertently called Caleb McGarry out by name. That never happens ever he never singles out guys he's a lot like bobby cox in that way never singles out guys but he was talking about the problems we had and he goes even caleb mcgarry and then he quickly changed the subject to brian burns he says you know we we made some adjustments you know if we if we were going to let him ruin we couldn't let him wreck the game if we let him wreck the game shame on us you know if you don't make an adjustment to this guy who's just eating your lunch then you're you're not a very good coach so the the early lack of passing game was dictated by the fact that they couldn't block Brian Burns at all. I don't, I don't care who your quarterback is at that point because Dez is pretty mobile. He can move around a little bit. They've got – they had to throw underneath. You couldn't throw down the field because as soon as you set your foot, as soon as Dez was setting his foot in a five-step drop, Brian Burns was on him. So that got better. That, that did get better. And then, you know, the question goes – do they trust Desmond Ritter? It's still a one-score game, and they're throwing it long to Kyle Pitts. Yeah, they do. They're, they're just going to be cautious about taking their shots. So, you know, that wasn't when it was 24 to 10, and they're up two scores. That was a game-killing drive. Loved it. Love seeing that. I, I cannot stand that ultra. I call those prevent offenses. You hear the term prevent defenses all the time. We all know what that is. But the old prevent offense is, hey, we've We've got a one-score lead with 2.30 on the clock, and we run the ball into the line of scrimmage three times and punt. Ugh, and then we lose. I loved it. I love the aggressiveness, personally. Personally on that, I did. Um, Rusty comes in. He says, I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer, but there's a reason no team picked up McGarry in free agency. A tackle who can't pass block is worrisome. Hope McGarry steps up. When we were talking about how does this team not improve? You know, with all the money that's spent on this defense, we consider Desmond Ritter an upgrade on Marcus Mariota. Here comes Bijan Robinson. How does this team not get better? We started looking at those things, and one of the questions is Desmond Ritter. He might not be an upgrade. He might be what everybody is saying he is in the 32nd quarterback in the NFL. That could be a problem. Kayla McGarry reverting back to pre-2022 form would be a big problem. Um We've asked, and I don't, I don't expect that to happen. I think McGarry will be just fine. Um, I'm hoping he will be just fine. He played too well for too long last year to revert back to who he, who he was in 2021. He played great in 2022, uh, one of the best in the league in this system, but they've got to dictate running the ball first. You go right at Brian Burns early, and it takes some of the steam out of that pass rush, without a doubt. Um, but yeah. Rusty, I'm with you. Hope hope he um, steps it up. Dave asks, or you know, states, I'm very concerned about Arnold Ebiketti. Yeah, again, it's hard. It's hard to hit on edge rushers. They just haven't been there. The Falcons haven't had the opportunity to. Well, they've had the opportunity. There hasn't been one worth it to dump a top ten pick that they've had the last three years, or big contract free agent out there that's been worth it. Those big money free agents don't hit free. Those big money edges, they don't hit free agency. They're making just short of quarterback money. Um, look at the guys that have been paid. They're making 25 to $30 million and they were drafted. They're being re-signed. They're not being signed. So you, in order to get that guy, you have to draft him. 
We've talked about Evacati as being a good number two. Is he a number one? However, there's better depth there now. And we said going in, if I can run a four-man rotation, if, I got, if I've got Bud Dupree and I've got Lorenzo Carter and I've got Arnold Evacati and maybe some D'Angelo Malone, mix sprinkle him in uh, a little bit, then maybe the pass rush is better in the second half when it really matters. Dave, I believe we saw that. I did. The pressure came in the second half, despite the fact that Chris Myers, starting about five minutes into the first quarter, kept saying, oh, the Falcons have three sacks already. I'm like, you know, I know I've been looking at my phone a little bit, but I don't remember three sacks and finally corrected him on that. Um, that's the next big ticket item for this team. It has to be. They're hard to come by. Um, they're probably more rare than than the the than franchise quarterbacks is finding a, a a true difference making edge rusher is hard, and it just hasn't presented itself. If I look at the snap counts, because um, I don't know if if you notice this or not, while I was watching the game, I noticed the three man front a lot with a single edge and playing nickel. So instead of a 3-5, you know, a 5-3 defense or a 5-2 defense, they're running, they weren't running three with two outside linebackers, two edge guys. They were running three down with one. That cuts into my need a little bit and helps keep up that rotation. And when I say that, so you had your 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 a, a good rotation among the defensive linemen, throwing in Albert Huggins and Taquan Graham in there, and Zach Harrison played a lot um, with your main three of Anyamada. Um, who am I forgetting besides Grady Jarrett, David Onimata, and uh, Calais Campbell, duh. You start looking at the snap counts. I'm like, all right, did I see things the way I think I saw them? You had 77 total snap counts on defense. That's a lot. The Falcons defense was on the field a lot, getting those turnovers. Uh, Bud Dupree had 50. Lorenzo Carter had 34 snaps. And then next was Arnold Ebiketti at 18. So, they didn't play two edges at a time very often. And that might be because they know, hey, we're better off in this defense with one of those guys on the field constantly and fresh than trying to run a, you know, a true five-man front with two edges. We just we don't have the personnel to do that. I got that feeling, and the snap counts kind of backed me up on that one. Um Jeremiah, I don't get tired. Jeremiah Kinlaw, um, any updates on CP or Jeff O? I think the first one, the first injury report will come out today. It's trending to see um, both of them as far as I'm concerned. I think I whiffed on these last week. But you don't waive um, Igwebuke. Send him back. They'll, they'll resign in the practice squad. You don't remove him from the 53 unless you're planning on activating Cordero Patterson. I, I just don't see that. They want to have three active on the 53, three active on the game day roster. And right now there's only two. There's Bijan Robinson, there's Tyler Algier, and an open spot for a third running back slash joker. I think that's Cordero. I think he's got to be really close. Arthur Smith has said Jeff Jeffrey Okuda has been close. Same with Mike Hughes. Trey Flowers played a decent game. Um, you wouldn't necessarily know it by um, the PFF score. His run defense was big. He was actually the, the highest graded run defender uh, by PFF on the Atlanta Falcons. He is one of four guys that played all 77 snaps on defense. Good for him. I'm glad he took advantage of his opportunity. I'd like to see a little more help. Mike Hughes and Jeff Okuda would be a lot more help. But Trey Flowers, um, if you watch him in preseason, you get to, got to see him at camp at all, you felt pretty good about him being able to do a job, and, and he did. Thought he was um, thought he was doing well. Um, let me catch up on the chat here just a little bit. Keith Nellen Johnson asked the same question. Is CP healthy and will he be involved in the game plan? If he's healthy... That's one of those if-then statements from way back. If, then, yes. If he is healthy, then, yes, he will be involved in the game plan. Um, I think we are getting closer on that. We just just hit on that question. Um, Kevin says, the time of, the time of possession discrepancy is concerning. 
Um, what did that end up being? Because the reason for that is the turnovers and short fields. Um, if I go team stats, time of uh, time of possession ended up being 34 to 25. That's not a Falcons team, is it? So that was 10 more minutes in favor of the Panthers. Why that happens is because the Falcons could not drive the ball and get first downs. Their scores to get their 24, get their first 17 points came on short fields after turnovers. So they weren't holding onto the ball long. That's not Falcons football though, is it Kevin? That's not what Arthur Smith wants to be. Arthur Smith wants to have that number switched uh, and dictate. And part of that, you'll start seeing more opportunities for the receivers again. But 48 plays, they should be running 75 plays. There's 30 plays that we're missing from, from this offense. 30 touches for, for offensive weapons. They talk about Kyle Pitts only got two targets and Drake London only got two targets. Well, let's throw in another 30 plays and see who starts getting some more of the targets. So they've got to be able to move the ball. And we've gone over a few of the reasons why that failed and why it got better. And, and, and again, part of that, part of it was, was by the game plan. Um, let me see. I want to move down here through the chat here just a little bit. Oh, let's say good morning to, uh, to my friend, Keith, Keith coming in on Facebook. Good morning. He says, good morning, Scott. You take a win. However you can get it. What improvements do you need to see next week in the offense? Um, first off, you know, the, the passing game has to be better. The protection has to be better. I'd like to see them start with trying to dictate the run and it will open up some of the play action. It will get those guys on their heels a little bit. But basically, protection has to be better first. Keith's a a Denver Broncos fan, so he's heard me say this a lot about the Denver Broncos offensive line. I don't care. Desmond Ritter is not a very good quarterback. I don't care. I don't know that for sure until he gets some protection. I have faith in this offensive line. I thought Matthew Bergeron played great at left guard. I thought he did well. I thought Matthews was Matthews. Matthews does a job. Pennsylvania, he does really well. Dahlman has continued where he left off last year. He is a competent NFL starter. He can play the game. He's just fine. Chris Lindstrom, it felt like his worst game as an Atlanta Falcon. And if I went through his PFF scores, PFF would probably agree that it was his worst game as an Atlanta Falcon. And Kayla McGarry, um, Kayla McGarry had a poor game. Let me see. If I look on the, the offensive lines, I'm on defense right now for the Atlanta Falcons looking at PFF. We'll see what they said. I know what my gut reaction was, was that it was poor. And then I think they do a pretty good job. Again, I don't rely on a set of stats. I rely on my eyes and then I like to back them up with stats. And then if I see stats and something stands out to me, I like to verify with my eyes. My eyes told me, so did yours, that Kayla McGarry struggled mightily. He had a 43.9 pass block grade. That's That's bad. Chris Lindstrom's pass block grade was 16.7. You know who had a pass blocking grade in that neighborhood several times in 2021? Jalen Mayfield. So try this on for size, Keith and Falcons fans out there. Chris Lindstrom pass blocked like Jalen Mayfield and the Falcons won by 14 points. Hmm. Probably didn't win with the passing game, did you? If he's blocking like that. Kayla McGarry's at a 40s. No, you didn't. Is Chris Lindstrom going to be a 16 week in and week out? Hell no. Come on. No. This was the highest graded guy in football last year at any position. He had a bad game, and you still won by 14. That speaks to the depth of this team. That speaks to the talent that is now on the field. That speaks to a game plan against an outmatched opponent. Wow. It's the last time we were able to say the Falcons outmatched an opponent. It's been a while. It's been a while for sure. My friend Joe Cannon coming. He says, great morning, Scott. And good morning to you as well, my friend. It is great to see you. Um, appreciate you coming in and and uh, and checking in. I'll keep an eye out for on the chat, see if there's anything coming in. Oh, see, I'm, I'm behind. I'm scrolling down. So I'm about 15 minutes behind on the comments. I did that one morning by myself and I had the mute button on and didn't know it. And I was talking by myself for seven minutes. So um, <laughs> hopefully I don't get 10 minutes and said, Scott, your audio won out as I'm catching up on these. Um, Michael says, "Good uh, hello, Scott, Nick with the fires. Good to see you as well. Harry Marshall Woods says for Algier, definitely a second, second rounder. And this goes back to what would, what would Tyler Algier or Taylor Heineke be worth in a trade? Obviously this is fantasy football talk. I mean, we're not, they might 
entertain a trade for um, everybody's got a price. Don't get me wrong. But I talked about Taylor Heineke. One of the reasons you would have to take a premium on him, even as a backup, is because he carries a dead cap hit. One of the reasons why you would take a premium on Tyler Algiers because he is dirt cheap. My God. What was he, a fifth round pick? I got to scroll way to the bottom of spot rack to find Tyler Algier. And, um, you know, I mentioned before, one of the happiest guys in the world that Bajan Robinson is going to be there should be Tyler Algier because he's going to cut his carries in half while keeping his production high. 75 yards and a touchdown across 17 games would be a pretty good season. Uh, Tyler Algier is on a cap hit of $950,000 this year, $950,000. And remember the Falcons carried a dead cap hit of about 80 million last year. So you could carry 80, a team of 80 Tyler Algiers for what they paid players to not play for the Atlanta Falcons last year. So he'd be worth a little extra, you know, would you rather have Jonathan Taylor and need to, this is a nice little exercise right here. Y'all would you rather, Make a trade for Jonathan Taylor, knowing I got to give him a new contract with the guaranteed of about $25 million across two years and a, an eight to $10 million cap hit. Or would I rather have Tyler Algier for $900,000 cap hit? I know the answer to that one. I know who I'm building my team with. You know, those, you, y'all have seen those things on Twitter and Instagram and stuff, and they put guys in tiers based on prices. Like tier one is Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Joe Montana, whatever. And this costs you five points. Four points ends up being Roger Staubach, whatever. They But they, they, they go down and you say, okay, you've got 10 points. Build your team. Tyler Algier would be a one. He'd be a one point, And that'd be my running back. He'd be my running back uh, on there. So, um, yeah, Tyler Algier is incredibly valuable to this team. and um, And people have been sleeping on him. And that's, that's done. Uh, I, I think that's, that's done. Um, Roger Cook, let's get into this a little bit. Um, he says, what did you make of, uh, of Jordan Love and the Packers? I know we're 40 minutes in, but we'll talk some Packers Falcons here before we get out of here. Um, I thought Jordan Love was, was fine. Um, accuracy was okay. Again, that's not a great offense yet. Um, looking at some numbers. After week one, they're 11th in total offense by yards, 7th in passing, 18 in rushing. Number two in scoring. Falcons are number 10 in scoring. They're number two in scoring. However, they were going against the Chicago Bears. Now, the Chicago Bears have put a bunch of money into their defense and have tried to shore up that defense. But last year, they were last in the NFL in scoring defense, 29th in total defense, 31st in rushing defense. So the Atlanta Falcons will be a much stiffer test on defense for the Green Bay Packers. Going into Chicago, beating the Bears, it's no gimme. For We were interested, I was specifically was interested to see how all of these new pieces would fit in for the Bears the same way we wondered how all these new pieces would fit in for the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons passed their first test, the Bears failed their first test. Green Bay looks to be a better team to me than, than the Carolina Panthers at this juncture. Talking power rankings a little bit. <clears throat> I think the Falcons moved up to number 16 in the NFL.com power rankings. And I think that's fair. I think that's a decent number. Number 15, where the Packers had jumped all the way up from 24 to 15. It's a big leap. That's a big leap for them. Um, want to say good morning to uh, Smitty. Says, good morning, Scott. Good morning to you, my friend. Smitty Sports Me. Hope you're doing well, Antoine. Um, and Joe says on... on talking about Arnold and Bichetti, he needs more snaps. Again, part of that was the way that the team was out there. They were running a four-man front with one stand-up edge. It was three down with a stand-up edge defensive end. Instead of what you normally see, three down with two edges, that's your typical five-man front. Three-four is what they like to call it. It's really a five-two because those guys are up on the line of scrimmage. So in this case, there were, there were four linemen, three down with a stand-up edge, and there wasn't as many snaps to go around. So we'll see how that shakes out. Uh, Packers and Falcons. If you come into this game, I think the, the, the Packers have actually moved to a one-point favorite in this game. 
um, you know, quickly, how quickly that changes. The line is, uh, the over-under is 40 and a half. Uh, the, the, and the Packers are a one and a half point favorite. And the ESPN GameCast gives the Falcons a 51.5. So it's basically a pick them on this. I think that's fair. I do. Um, the Falcons, you know, as a, if you're a Falcons optimist, you have to say the, the offense is going to get better. They're, they're better than this on offense. We've seen it. We know they are. Chris Lindstrom's not going to go out there and throw a 16 burger up from PFF on pass blocking. He's better than that. Uh, Caleb McGarry is better than that, but the defensive line for the Panthers and the defensive line for the Packers, they're both pretty good. I don't think you're, you're, <laughs> I don't think you're losing anything and say, oh, you're not going to have to face Brian Burns again. Yeah, but Rashawn Gary is pretty damn good. You're not having to face Derek Brown again, but the, the Packers front four and their front seven, they're they're really good. So you're going to have your hands cut out, your work cut out for you again. And you might have to lean on that defense. You put $100 million into the defense. You know, I can't count on Jesse Bates to force three turnovers every game. So the offense is going to have to pick it up on this one. It's a pick for me, y'all. I would stay. If I had to bet on this one, I wouldn't. I'd go find something else. If I had to bet on it, I might take the over. That might be where I'd go find a bet at 40 and a half. Um, I think if both teams play their best, I like the Falcons to win. But the Falcons didn't play very well on offense last week. So they've got to do um, considerably, considerably better. Uh, let me see here. Um, uh, we're talking some linebackers here, you know, Carter and AK outside linebacker and Ellis and Anderson are inside linebackers. Yeah. Edge versus inside. Now the, um, Ellis and Anderson, when we're talking about, uh, you know, how long were they on the field? The snap counts, Ellis played all 77 snaps. Troy Anderson came out for one snap. So the guys that were on the field, just about every single snap are the guys you would expect the back seven. A.J. Terrell, Caden Ellis, Trey Flowers, Richie Grant, Troy Anderson, D. Alford, who played a great game, by the way. How about D? Uh, and Jesse Bates. And then it drops from 72 from Jesse Bates, who limped off at the very end. He, he got banged up just a little bit. That's why he only played 72 instead of all 77. Calais Campbell actually played 51 snaps, which was two more than Grady Jarrett. So you can see that rotation on the defensive line. We, I've kind of always said it's usually like two to one two plays for your starters, one for your backups. And it played out that way. Clayus Campbell had 50 snaps and then Albert Huggins had 25. Uh, David Onyemata had 40 snaps. Taquan Graham had 20. So that's a two to one ratio. That is a very good rotation. And the, the Falcons can now do that. They're six deep on the offensive line. Harrison played okay. He's not great, but I do like him as part of that front three instead of trying to, I don't think he's got the mobility to play an edge. He's 280 pounds. He can put his hand in the rubber pellets at the Georgia Dome. Um, let me see. We're, we're wrapping on up here. So if you got any last minute, super chats, stars, etc., anything like that, then, uh, love to hear from you. I'm going to go to the bottom and scroll my way back up for some of the last, the final comments. Um, Michael Corietti says, good morning, Scotty. Good morning to you. Hope you're doing well. Um, Matt asked a question. He says, what did you think of the play calling on Sunday? Um, this is a, it's a multi-layered question for me, Matt. And, and we've hit on this just a little bit. It's hard for me to judge play calling when your offensive line is pass protecting so poorly. Um, if I keep dropping Desmond Ritter back to pass and I'm trying to be back more aggressive early on, while Brian Burns and the, the left side of that Carolina Panthers defense is just wrecking my offensive line, I'm an idiot. So... I don't think Arthur Smith is an idiot. I don't think you have to be overly stubborn like that. I think they felt good about their defense to say, listen, we're not going to lose this game. We're not going to go for negative plays. We're not going to turn the ball over. We'll trust our special teams and our defense and get a dub and get better and move forward next week. Take some positive momentum into the Packers game. So I thought the play calling was fine, honestly. I mean, you'd see third and six from the 40 and there's a draw play questionable you know here and there there's sometimes you're like okay come on that's that's a little overboard on the conservative i get that that's but on the whole if i take a look at the overarching game plan of was it too conservative was it not it may have been it was definitely conservative don't get me wrong but that was part of the game plan to get the dub and, and i'm okay with that i i am they didn't need to go out there and sling the ball around to beat this carolina panthers team this time if they call plays and they play offense like this, 
for the rest of the year, it's going to be a long season. It's it's they're not going to they're not going to accomplish what they want to. But it's week to week. And that game plan against a rookie quarterback making his first ever start for a new coach who is implementing a new system and Frank Reich with the Carolina Panthers at home with a raucous crowd making it loud as hell out there. The game plan was was, was good. It was a good game plan. I don't have any problems with that, Matt, but I, I certainly understand the question. I'm just trying to think big picture. Against the Panthers, the game plan was good. Will that play for 17 games? No, it won't. No, it won't. And they know that. They they know that. Arthur Smith came out and said post-game he was pretty pissed about some of the execution and some of the things that he was seeing out there that need to get better. And the fans were kind of pissed from some of the things they saw out there too. Uh, and they won by 14. Fourth time in four years that they've won by double digits. That's nice, isn't it? That's nice. Um yeah, there's there's one right there. Uh, it was a third and 20 for me. We gave it to Bajan and almost made it, but still. I think there was, and that one doesn't bother me. Third and 20, the, the chances of making that, of converting on a third and 20 versus giving up a big negative play leans heavily towards the giving up a big negative play. Sack and a fumble, strip sack, uh, interception over the middle. You know, and that sometimes when you see a third and 20, you're hoping for maybe he can throw it 60 yards and they'll be dumb enough to intercept it and you can tackle him. Sometimes that's the best outcome. But I remember a third and six, like in, in scoring range, where it was a handoff, or it was like a third and nine. Third and six is a maybe. That's a possible running play with this team. But it was a convertible third down, not a third and super long on that one. So um, on that note, y'all, I, I can't help but the fact that I am a lifelong Atlanta sports fan and don't feel nearly as confident about this game as I did against Carolina Panthers. So I will do what I best can for you and say the Packers come in and get a dub. The, the, the Scott Kennedy, the old skinnity curse is not nearly as well known as the, the curse of the Bambino, but it's just as powerful. So this game's a pick them to me y'all. I think it's a, again, if the Falcons play their best game, they'll, they'll beat the Packers. I think they're good enough to do that. They've got to play better on offense. They have to get Ritter going. They have to get Drake London involved. They have to get um, Kyle Pitts more involved early to loosen up the, the running game, loosen up the defense so the running game is, is there for you. You've got to pass protect better. That's a given. If you don't, you cannot beat this Packers team with the same game you played against the Panthers. Can't count on three turnovers every game. That said, the Falcons are now leading the NFL with a plus three turnover margin. You know what the Packers are? Plus two. So they played very, very similar games last week. The difference was the Jordan Love hit on some touchdown passes and the Falcons won with defense in a short field. So on that note, I think we're going to get out of here. We will be back on Monday. If you want to join us Friday, I'll be back here Friday morning uh, on these channels to talk some NFL stuff, not just Falcons, not just Broncos, not just anybody. We'll, I'll, I'll probably do 30 minutes of taking a look ahead at some of the weekend's games. Otherwise, we'll be back on Monday, 9 a.m. to review the Packers and Falcons. And thanks to everybody that watched our, our show on Monday. We had almost 2,000 views on YouTube. Um, that's a That was a solid show. So uh, appreciate everybody showing up. If you're here for the first time, hit that subscribe button. It really helps us out a lot. And uh, if you're not here for the first time, you're coming back, hit that like button on the, on the video. That also helps us out a lot. On that note, we're going to get out of here. Uh, we as in, you know, me and when I close and, you know, y'all don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. But I hope everybody has a great, we got football tomorrow. That starts a weekend for me. So I hope everybody has a great rest of the week, a great weekend. We'll see y'all Monday. Can't wait to talk some more Falcons football. We'll see y'all later.